Hey, this is Ashika. And I'm Alexa. And this is Nari Nest. I really want to talk about like culture. Yeah. And like cultural differences in parenting. Let's chat, I think it'll let's be chat like... cultural differences in motherhood. You and yeah. I grew up, we were raised very, very differently. Very, um, very differently. Um, you want to speak so, to your upbringing? I feel like first we should even, like when we talk about culture, right, like cultural differences, I feel like most people think like um, just just race, right? Like, hey, Alexa is white and she's brown. That's culture. Right. <laughs> right. Um, when I think of cultural differences in in motherhood or just parenting in general, I think a lot also about like just like social differences, economic differences, um, aside from just like geographic differences, right? That define culture and race. And I feel like there's like some big things that come to my mind when I think about like cultural differences and um, acceptance of differences in motherhood. But um, yeah, I feel like the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I feel like I mom a certain way when I'm around certain people and I mom a different way when I'm around different people. And I feel like a lot of people do that. They, I feel like they, you like, you're a mom at home in one way and then you're a mom outside in a different way. Right. Um, it's like so, chameleon motherhood. <laughs> correct. Correct. I like that. Mm. Alexa, you always come up with the best term. <laughs> chameleon motherhood. I love that because I think that, um, well, first off, I was raised in the South Asian household, right? Um, and South Asian, specifically, I'm from India. So Indian households are very, very different from my view. Um, when I was growing up, it was very different from my my Caucasian pure household, right? Or just American households in general. I always, I had... I had to do a lot of like sort of I don't even know how to say this but like follow those like seniority levels in okay. my house I'm not saying that American households don't have that but it was almost like I couldn't speak my mind sort of and I was respect raised your elders type thing respect your elders be obedient no matter what mm -hmm. this is what they said it has to be right they're your elders um I still remember, like, as a little kid, <laughs> I went over to one of my friend's um, homes one time, and she was, like, really mad at her mom about something. I can't remember what it was, but what does stick out in my mind of that specific memory um, was that her and her mom actually had, like, they were having a conversation about what they were disagreeing on, and I was just like, wow. Yeah. She's talking to her mom about something that they disagree on? What? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it blew my mind. Um, and it, I don't know, that kind of like stuck with me sometimes. It, and it was little dribs and drabs of that as I grew up and I formed like my own identity um, as what I like to call and what I've heard from other places is a third culture kid. Hmm. Um, okay. So growing up in the States, for me, um, I was never Indian enough for the Indian people 
but I was never white enough for my white friends. Mm -hmm. So I had to kind of create this like little mixture Mm -hmm. of my own culture, which was like third culture, which then has now, I think, translated into how I raise my children. Um, And I I feel like a lot of moms do that, right? It's because culture, I think, also comes from just your upbringing. Like you were raised in a completely different environment. Mm -hmm. For me, a completely different household, but that was your culture. and you kind of take that and all the lessons learned and you create your own sort of third culture mm-hmm. to raise your children. Um, so I've always found those like cultural nuances and differences extremely um, intriguing. Mm-hmm. Totally. I also find it intriguing because we are different, but we are the same because Correct. you grew up in that, in that Indian household with the respect your elders and be obedient no matter what and although i am very pale white (laughs) we (laughs) i had the same kind of upbringing in that i'm gonna bend cultural motherhood for me to mean um religious because i am not like my family didn't identify with whatever type of white we were like some people are super rich with german heritage with scottish heritage with italian heritage um my family did not really identify with any one heritage or Mm -hmm. culture so Mm -hmm. i'm just a mutt of european (laughs) white um but growing up i was raised in the non-denominational christian church and that is very respect your elders it's 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 so similar when we chat about your upbringing and kind of um you know what your parents instilled in you it's very similar um I think maybe for you, it was like, there's this fear of elder or the fear of, um, you know, stepping out of line with authority, not authority, but you know, a, it a is family authority. member, no, that's the right, word. right. A family member or your parents. Um, for me, I guess it was that, um, but it was more like fear of God and hell <laughs> and like just fear of not going to heaven type thing. So the the Christian upbringing it was it was interesting like you said um how you weren't quite Indian enough for your Indian friends and you weren't quite white enough for your white friends. <laughs> I sort of my translation of that is I wasn't quite Christian enough for my Christian friends mm-hmm. and I wasn't mm-hmm. quite like secular enough for my secular friends so I had that third Third whatever yeah 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 (laughs) um and so yeah I think it's it's very it's very interesting because where we differ it's also very similar as well it is and I think that's why like I feel like that's why I wanted when I started off talking about this I feel like defining culture is so important in the lens of motherhood right Mm -hmm. because to me, culture is really your environment mm-hmm. at the end of the day, yeah. right? Because, yeah, I'm I'm South Asian by blood. My parents are both, as far as we know, uh, both Indian. <laughs> so that makes me Indian. Your parents 
are a mix of different European backgrounds makes you a mixed European or whatever. But that's at the end of the day, just our genealogy, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's our genetics. Mm -hmm. I also think, like you said, religious and religious beliefs play such a huge part in shaping how you mom and your fears in motherhood, right? Mm -hmm. So like I grew up in a Hindu household. So um, my parents weren't like, extremely religious and Hinduism in general, like we don't have um, like very routine sort of gatherings like Christian culture does. Like ours is kind of more just like, Hey, you want to go to the temple? Let's go. (laughs) It's kind of like, it's kind of like that. But I feel like anybody that grows up in any sort of a home where there are sort of religious bounds, sexuality always becomes something that's taboo. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I feel like I, I grew up that way. You and I talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. I know you grew up very similar. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that sort of religious culture, even though you were raised Christian, I was raised Hindu is different in ter- in terms. There are so many like similarities that come from that. Mm-hmm. And, um, like that's something for me that, influences how I'm going to parent my children mm-hmm. right we talk we you and I have talked about this so like when I think about like so I grew up in a house where you just don't talk about boyfriends like I specifically remember asking my dad one time about like so dad like you know um you know what how did you and mom meet like did you guys date and he was like what is dating he was like you don't need to date he was like you get married and you date your husband um and in my head I was like that doesn't make any sense because you know like the head cheerleader and the football player, like they're dating, yeah. they're not married, right. you know, we're just in seventh grade. So, <laughs> so there's like these things that would never like add up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like, it was a struggle and it was difficult for me to find my identity because um, I feel like culture and like your own feminine divine for lack of better words Mm -hmm. gets so like muddled together Mm -hmm. that it's it's really stifling I think for for women that were brought up in any sort of a very like culture heavy home Mm -hmm. totally like you felt that way like what was your experience growing up yes in a in a in a Christian household where (laughs) that was sort of similar yeah so um on the Christian religious side of it, you have heavy purity culture that's coming out in the 90s where it's abstinence and like, don't ever look at a penis or you're <laughs> going to be damned. And um, and just a lot of shame and guilt laid yeah. upon women in general or women in particular to be honest it was a lot of like you need to be a certain way so that he doesn't stumble so that he doesn't sin so that he isn't lusting after you it's like all on on the women on the women so don't wear tank tops because a shoulder (laughs) is just Oh my God. You know? Yeah. Oh my God. It's uh, so, it's so tempting, isn't it? The goddamn shoulder bone. Yeah. But the amount of times where like we would get dress code violations if like our shorts weren't to the end of our fingertips when you put them down. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, you could never wear tank tops. Like 
you're, you cannot let your bra strap show, um, you know, just all of this, like all, all of the things to just make sure that you're in line, that you're being your best self, that you're putting women, females, you make sure that you're leading the way, but he can't, he can't ever stumble. He can't ever look at you and lust after you. So to feel kind of like a piece of meat that needs to just like dress a certain way did something there and then also just conversation around sex I mean I don't know yeah. it's, it'll be so interesting once I get there with my kids because they're very young yeah. right now but yeah I I don't think my I don't think we ever had the sex talk I was like well, we're good we just <laughs> yeah, don't no, we're not doing it. that we're not we don't yeah. talk about it right like, yeah yeah it's like we don't talk about Bruno it's like we don't talk about sex yeah we don't talk about sex <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like with my kids I I'm certainly gonna be doing that differently because if you don't talk about it, if it's taboo, if it if there's shame and guilt surrounding it, how right. are you ever going to have a healthy relationship with it even when right. you're quote unquote like allowed to do it, right? So like right. I got married and then look at that. That makes it okay. Now it's okay right. to have sex because I got married yeah. and I can have sex with my husband and now I just need to flip this switch and and just be like a little, like a little sex kitten and a little <laughs> porn star. Like, where does this come from when all my life you've been telling me how this is not okay and this is bad? And if yeah. you want to do that, if you have those feelings, those are bad. Those are, you're bad for feeling that way. You shouldn't feel yeah. that way. You should never think about that. So how does one think- kind of come to terms with... Yeah. You know, those feelings that are so freaking normal for every single, like, hormonal teenager. And then... I mean, I think that culture across the world is about teaching women not to embrace their sexuality, right? right? It's about don't embrace your sexuality. Whatever religious household or not religious household you're raised in, most parents, at least in our time... Um, and still in many parts of the world, you know, America is more advanced in what we do with terms of like talking about our feelings and talking about sex and all that. America is sort of in a different space, but mm-hmm. even here and in many, many parts of the world, you don't talk about female sexuality. Like, what do you mean you have feelings or what do you mean you want to touch yourself? That's a boy thing. Like boys will be boys. You know, boys will do that. Like how many times have you heard people say like, oh, you know, those teenage boys get ready to find those crusty boxers around the room. (laughs) And it's like, okay, but girls do it too. Right. It's at the end of the day, we're human and wanting to explore your body or understand your sexuality is so important, but there's that differentiation in culture, world culture mm-hmm. that promotes it for boys and completely stunts it for women. Yeah. But at the same time, when you look at media, when yeah. you look at the beauty industry, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, right. all about accentuating your sexual features. You should right. have big pouty lips. You should have very long wavy eyelashes. You should look like a pear or you should look like an hourglass. Mm-hmm. And you should never wrinkle a day in your life. You should look flawless from the day you're born till you die. Right. But yeah, at the same time, please don't tend men to have sex with you. Yeah. And it's just like, it's this constant, like, 
Yeah, like what? Like yeah, get, like wait, what? get the message like, straight. What do you want right. from us? <laughs> right, and I think that that is a part of culture. I think that we all deal with right, and it, and the reason, like, I know we kind of like straight off into like sexuality, but I feel like a lot of this also makes huge impacts on your self esteem, right? Mm-hmm. If if there's something that your body is feeling and somebody is telling you it's not right or it's not normal, it starts to make you question yourself and it makes brings so much shame on you, right? And you start to think like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Like my, my parents, the people that brought me into this world are telling me that's wrong. Mm-hmm. They must be right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that aspect of just culture across the world is is so um it does so much disservice to women mm-hmm. and like we as as moms i think sometimes we start to explore those things and we start to search for some of those pieces of like wait why am i feeling this way or why is my husband always complaining that we're not having enough sex <laughs> and it's always because one we're tired because we're just moms and two sometimes it's just like i don't know if that gets like turned off at some point in your life when you're like growing up and you're growing up with all this like sexual shame. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, like I I think for me, it took me so long to be um, comfortable with myself and comfortable with my body and comfortable with my desires um, and just be comfortable with the choices that I make because I grew up in such a sort of, I I don't want to say like rigid because my parents were flexible in some ways, but rigid in the space of Mm self-exploration like that was a pretty tight space that I had to move in um and I know it is for a lot of people um whether you're somebody that has melanin or not I think it's just it's those like parents that restrict their children from having the space to safely explore Mm -hmm. um is a really dangerous place Mm -hmm. I think older generations, our parents' generation, the boomers. Um, the boomers, yes. They always like kind of had a plan for us, right? Or I feel like yeah. every generation is like, I want my kids to have more than I did or not yeah. struggle like I did or, right. you know, not go through the same hardships that I did. And so they kind of put that pressure on the child Whereas, like, some people, like, I am I was just starting to watch this documentary um, about, like, service industry jobs. Some people mm-hmm. love it. Like, they, yeah. they were born to be a home care nurse. Like, you know, right. they, you know, they, it's, it's not a doctor. It's not a lawyer. It's not a dentist. But it lights them up and it brings them fulfillment. And, like, so... So I think that's interesting, and I, I try and think about that um, when kind of parenting my kids now in a broader way in that, like, I find some of the challenging behavior of my little ones now thinking to myself, like, this is not conducive to being a five-year-old, like, okay. but when you're older you have no problem speaking up for yourself and you will be relentless and you will go after what you want. Like I, I have to sort of try and spin it like that on its head to where I'm like, I don't ever want to beat this out of my kid, but I also have to teach them how to like tame it or cope with it, you know? 
Um, so, you know, just trying to be broader about just about shifting not the mindset, putting, right? It's... Not putting so much pressure on our on our kids. Yeah. And and sometimes it's hard, right? It's like I think yeah. society also does that, right? Like when you're at a restaurant, you don't feel like you can let your kids be kids because you're terrified yeah. of everyone judging you <laughs> if they're right. you know, standing up on the booth or you know, tapping their glass with a fork. It's just, yeah, yeah, they, don't do they, that. You're going to disturb somebody. Yeah, yeah, they can't be heard. They can only be seen. They cannot, you know, so yeah, it's, it's such a, it's so hard because society is still right there in your ear telling you like, no, nope, that's not the right way. You're not doing it right. No matter what you do, even. So I guess that's really the point of it all, right? Is you just have well, to blaze your own trail and we can only do the best we can with the information that we have. And I think our generation just has such intense information overload that we're just like, cool, but every single person is telling me something different. So I think that's kind of to tie it back together. The beauty of it now is we have all this information overload and this parenting style says this one's the best and this parenting style says this one's the best, but let's find that third culture like you were talking about. Yeah. Let's yeah. find that Create, third, like your own you know, third. take some of this, take some of that, you know, Yes, and exactly. then and, forge forward. And I think it's interesting when you, when you said like, you know, um, about like the service industry, right? Like some parents are fine with whatever career their child chooses. They give them that space to explore. Um, again, going back to my South Asian upbringing mm-hmm. as many, many people probably know, and as all the stereotypes that are in every show that we see on TV, Indian people will be doctors, or you'll be a lawyer, or, or you're going to be an engineer. engineer. Those are your options. Mm-hmm. Anything outside of that is like, what the hell are you going to do with this? Where, how are you going to earn any money? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of goes back to sort of... Um, that restriction that's placed on on children mm-hmm. right like for me my luckily my parents were nowhere close to that they were not those like insane parents that were like you're gonna go to Kumon and you're gonna do multiple multiplication tables every day you're gonna be in the spelling bee I totally gonna- went to Kumon <laughs> <laughs> but like you know what I'm saying those like those homes where those are the expectations. And yeah. you and I talked about this, like when you talked about like the expectations yeah. of your husband's choice of college, these familial expectations, yeah. um, those expectations can be so stifling, but it can also just be really hard for you to try to parent your child differently. Right. Mm-hmm. right? Like, so for me, because I grew up that way, I also or grew up in a environment like that not directly in my home but just because of the peer pressure around me I would always I now think for my kids I'm like okay they may or may not want to go to college and I have to be okay with that right because I for the longest time was like okay you go to elementary school high school college you get a job you buy a house that's what you do it's very linear Um, it's just a very linear progression then you pop out a couple of kids right yeah yeah correct yeah so then I had to kind of adjust my mind to to or I'm still adjusting my mind to that right then it's also okay my kids might not have a white collar desk job Mm -hmm. that might not be for them 
it's hardly for me, right? right? It's hardly the thing for me. Um, but it's like, it's, it's those tiny, like, you know, when you go to the optometrist and they keep putting those like thousand pieces of glass mm-hmm. in front of your eye and they're like, is this better or is this worse? Is this better or is this worse? Mm-hmm. It's that constant, like, re reframing mm-hmm. your lens. Like, mm-hmm. well, if they don't go to college, is that better or worse than them going to college? <laughs> it's, right. it's like this constant conversation. And I kind of want to take like a pause and take everything that we talked about and really bring it back to our moms, right? Because all of this culture and these restrictions and these expectations for most children largely stems from our moms, right? Or because our moms were our primary caregivers when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. When we were growing up, yeah, there were working moms and all of that existed. But that, that mind shift now that has happened where people are starting to acknowledge like, okay, moms are carrying way too much, this, that, or the other, that didn't exist so much like when you and I were growing up. Mm-hmm. so I always like I always want to take that back like the pressures of momming with your mom around like I want to talk about that because that creates its own little culture you right. know what I'm saying right so are you saying like me raising my kids and my mom witnessing that is that what you're saying more like so, like, when you watch, like, the gymnastics competitions in the Olympics, mm-hmm. you know how they, like, hold up a number? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you're the mom that's doing the gymnastics, right? Like, you're, like, doing these, like, insane tumbles across that format. Okay. And then you look over at your mom and she's holding up a number. She's do you like, ever feel like that? that was <laughs> like, solid you... six, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, sure, of course. <laughs> oh, like, I feel like, I feel like that's also culture that comes into being being a mom right so like for me when my mom was a huge support for me when I first had my kids because Enya um and for those of you who don't know Enya is my husband (laughs) so when he when we first had our kids he used to travel a lot so I was almost single mom for a majority of the time and my mom kind of stepped in and filled those shoes of support that I needed, which was a beautiful thing. But there was also a lot of ugliness <laughs> in it, in that it was just a constant, like, extra set of feedback that sometimes I felt was just very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. For example, when we would, um, when it was a meal time, <laughs> I would choose a certain thing that we were going to eat. And if my kids didn't want to eat said item, that was the end of the meal. That was always the way I was going to do it because I'm not going to sit here. This is not Cheesecake Factory, right? Like the menu is not 30 pages long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that was always my thing. But my mom, and bless her heart, I know where she's coming from. is always a place of love. But it would be like, it's okay. Let me make something else for them. She would make item number two. They would get a thumbs down. She would make item number three. It would get a thumbs down. She would make item number four. And this would continue until she got a thumbs up. And um, it would just create so much stress. But more so, it used to make me question myself in that, wait, wow, she's doing all of this. And I'm just over here throwing some pasta in a pot. And if that's not good enough for my kids, 
I'm calling it a day? Like, what kind of a mother am I? Like, do you feel like you have those moments, like with your mom or your mother-in-law where you start to question your own mothering? Yes. Um, I do have something similar. I mean, the food thing is so funny because you have like this wonderful Indian grandmother that just wants to feed her grandkids, <laughs> right? And then I, I yeah. have that. I have the the amazing Italian mother-in-law that right. just wants to feed their grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> so so I had that same thing. And it's funny because um, it's funny that you say, you know, she'll make thing number two, thumbs down, thing number three, thumbs down. And it's so funny when, when that happens because I, you know, in my head that, that has happened in real life to our family too. And then I would just tell my mother-in-law like, you can't ask them. Like, it comes right. from a place of love. I understand you want to, like, ask them what they want and then make what they want. But even if they're asking for something, they're still not going to eat it. I don't know exactly. what the fuck it is about a toddler. <laughs> I don't either. It's like that power struggle where he's like, where they're like, yeah, I want a quesadilla. And then you make the fucking quesadilla and they maybe take one bite. And you're like, yep. why? Um... And my mo- yeah. my mother-in-law has gotten, like, even my mom, too, both of them, it's so funny because they're like, oh, I know they love meatballs. I'll make meatballs, my mother-in-law. <laughs> I'll make meatballs. My mom's like, I'm going to go to that one restaurant that I know they love their meatballs from. And then sh- they bring them, they put them on the plate, they put them in front of my kids, and they right. will have none of it. And they're just like, I don't understand. I'm like, dude, there is no logic here. Like, th- this right. is just not... We're not we're right. not talking about sane people. We're talking about tiny little, you know, terrorists for lack of with highly developed brains yeah. that don't function. But yeah, I mean, we could go on and on about this, and I feel like this is eventually going to turn into like a series yeah. of um, culture culture specific conversations with different moms from different cultures because we're going to find a common thread, and that common thread is going to be a lot of judgment, a lot of shame, and a lot of pressure on the female that's expected to raise children. And I know we talk about this in like the other other episodes, but for me, it's so interesting from a cultural aspect because we all feel like we're so different when it comes to like culture, right? Like we feel like, oh, well, you know, she was raised in the Bronx, uh, in a super Jewish household. And she was raised out here in SoCal in San Diego. And her life is just her, her way of parenting is so different from mine. But I think what's interesting is that when we all sit down and talk about being a mom, there's a lot of like, just pressure and judgment that comes with different, different cultural expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's really interesting. Like, the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is co-sleeping when you think about that. It's different for a lot of people, right? And it's a choice. And I always, I never judged a mom for co-sleeping or not co-sleeping, right? Or what was the other way you do it? There's co-sleeping and then sleep training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My gosh, all these terms that we come up these with. Are, these like, are hot topics, babe. This, these this are is very a... hot topics. These are definitely hot topics, but... Like, my question is always, why should they be hot topics, right? Because at the end of the day, what is the essence of either of those? Whether you sleep train or you co-sleep, moms choose either or, or whatever method you choose, because we just want to fucking sleep. Yeah, we just want to (laughs) survive. We just want to sleep and survive. Yeah. So 
I always find it funny when people are like, when people question and point fingers or judge for whatever way you choose, because we we are all trying to get to the same place. We're all trying to just sleep and survive. The same thing when I think of like breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. I know for me, um, so Enye is Nigerian. So we used to hang around a lot of, you know, African, African friends and, again, a lot of Indian friends as well. And I would always get a lot of questions as in like, oh, how's your baby breastfeeding? I'm like, well, first of all, I don't want to talk about my breast in my baby's mouth at a wedding or a party. And I feel like that's none of your business, but sure, we can talk about my boobs. Um, and it was just like, like very intrusive questions about like, oh, so, oh, you stopped breastfeeding your kid after a month? Like, why would you do that? You switched them over to formula? Like, what kind of a mother are you? Um, just like questions that would come from like a place of judgment. Would you get that vibe from people? hundred percent. hundred percent. And I can give you a specific example. Like we were at a wedding one time and I was sitting next to Enya and, um, a friend of a friend was sitting behind me and I had just had, I think it was Naya. I had just had Naya. All three of my babies were C-section. So, um, I think it was like about probably like three and a half, four months after. Um, and we were at this wedding. It was my first time out of the house away from my child. I was so sad, but I was also like totally relaxed once yeah. I got there. Cause it was finally like, you know, just having a taste of freedom again. Um, so I'm sitting there and this friend of this friend was like, Oh, it's so nice to see you. How's the baby? And I was like, Oh, she's doing great. We're adjusting to baby number two, blah, 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 blah. Um, and somehow the conversation went into the dark alley of breastfeeding (laughs) and she was asking me like oh so you know how is she doing with the breastfeeding and I was like um well you know it was really difficult for me and we had trouble so Naya's no longer breastfeeding she's she's on formula um and she was like really why why so soon Oh and I was like, well, God. I don't know. I had a, I had a C-section and it was hard for me to hold her above my, you know, my, my surgery it was painful. So I decided to just switch her to formula. She was like, oh, well, I had three C-sections and I breastfed all of my babies. <laughs> Do you want a medal? Did you want right. a trophy like, for this? Okay. And I still remember this moment because I turned around and I looked at Enya and I remember Enya like holding my hand. He was like, babe, it's okay. Just calm down. (laughs) I was about to turn around and knock her out because I was like. Dude, not only that, but you're all hyped up on like postpartum hormones. You're like feeling all the things because you're away from your child. And so you're like, I am happy, but I'm sad. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh. But all any all this person could think about was me as a cow that should have been producing milk. Right. Um, but either way, so my my point of that story is there's like so much um, like judgment that goes into these choices that we make, which at the end of the day, all of us are making just survive. Yeah. That like those few years when you're in this like almost like psychedelic haze <laughs> of children. Um, so yeah, I think that culture, again, like we talked about for the past, I don't even know how long, like 30 minutes or whatever, we talked about culture from like, you know, genetic standpoint, socioeconomic standpoints, just religious standpoints. Um, it's just all of it, I think at the end of the day, kind of 
always points to the woman, always points to the responsibility that the woman must hold in rearing this perfect child. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, I always find it so funny because I'm always like, why are we putting all this pressure on one person when it took two to make that baby? (laughs) Right. And it's just, it's, I don't know, it's very interesting to me. And I feel like um, as we continue, I feel like this is going to kind of go into like its own season Um, because it's always been my like desire to understand um, like generational trauma and cultural trauma that affects how you mom. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I know I had to overcome my fair share and I still overcome my fair share every day to make sure that I'm a better mom for my children, um, than the environment that I had. Right. Right. Same. Like we always say, there's no way in hell we can do this thing alone. So let's do it together. See you next week, guys. <laughs>